Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I began a series last week uh, on the program where we started talking about Ezra and Nehemiah, and we're going to continue this series until I'm finished with it. Really felt like the Lord really spoke some key things to me prophetically uh, through the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, some powerful, powerful pictures. And we began to share them with you uh, last week on the program. And if you missed last week's program, let me just quickly tell you that uh, everything that we air, uh, we upload it to our YouTube channel so that you could go back and watch it on demand. If you didn't record this, you can go back to YouTube and watch it on demand, and or you can share it with your friends on your Facebook page or whatever you'd like to do. We also have a uh, podcast of the audio portions of the TV program and an RSS feed for Android by simply going to my website is the easiest way to do that, lynnhiles.com. And there is a link in the upper right-hand corner to all of those outlets where you can view our program literally anywhere in the world. And I understand that because we close caption, if you have friends that speak other languages, it will translate our program in every language around the globe. So uh, anywhere that they can watch it, they'll be able to get it. I want to go back here, though, and talk about uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. They are living in Babylonian captivity. They have been carried away captive by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they have been in captivity to fulfill the word of the Lord that was given by the mouth of Jeremiah. Now, let me, uh, I, I want to, I, I'll just go back and read a few verses from uh, from uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, the chapter right before Ezra chapter number 1. But it says, verse 13, 2 Chronicles 36, verse 13, and, and he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who made him swear by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord God of Israel. He's talking about the king of Israel, or king yeah, of Israel. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he didn't humble himself. Verse 12 said, he did humble not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. In other words, the king of, of Israel didn't listen to the prophetic word that was coming from the mouth of Jeremiah, and he wouldn't humble himself, and so he rebelled against the king Nebuchadnezzar, and, uh, and, and hardened his heart from turning unto the Lord. It goes on to say, moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen, and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So he would send repeatedly, time after time after time, uh, prophets and messengers to try to get Israel uh, because he had a heart for it, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or maiden 
old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of the princes and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years, or literally seventy years. Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who there is among you of all his people, the Lord his God be with him, and let him go. And I want you to see uh, the, in Ezra chapter one, it 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 starts out Ezra chapter one with a quote from the last few verses of Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six. Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, which is in Judah who there is among you of all his people, his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. Now let me just stop there because that's all I'm probably going to get to read out of these texts here. Now I first of all want to say to you, I want to make some comparisons. They have been carried away captive into Babylon because they did not heed the words of the prophet Jeremiah and because they would mishandle those prophets that were sent to them they, they literally, you heard me read a few moments ago, they, they did evil to those guys that came. They humbled not, they rebelled against the king Nebuchadnezzar. They stiffened their neck. They, they uh, transgressed very much after the abominations of the heathen. They polluted the house of the Lord, which he'd hallowed at Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent them messengers rising up because he had compassion on him and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, misused his prophets until the wrath of God arose against his people till there was no remedy. And then they brought upon him the, Ch the Chaldeans, and they burnt the house of God, and they burnt the sanctuary, and they burnt the palaces, and they brought the people into captivity. Now, as I started looking at this, I started seeing a striking resemblance with something that I saw in the book of Revelation. When it talks about the great harlot of Babylon, it says in her was found the blood of all the prophets that were slain, that upon her would come, the judgment that would come upon the great harlot of Babylon would come upon her because all the blood of those that were slain and the martyrs of the Lord 
would come upon her. Now, when I started thinking about that, I started thinking about Matthew 20. Let me see if I can go over here. I, I wasn't going to go here, but we're going to follow this, this train of thought here. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the latter part, he, for, for several of these first several verses in uh, Matthew 23, you can go back and, and read these. Jesus is prophesying, woe to you scribes, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you, you devour widows' houses, and you make long prayers for pretense, and you won't humble yourself, and, and, and you won't, uh, you know, uh, you, you won't uh, come back to the Lord. You, you scribes, you come to see and land to make one proselyte, but when you do, you make him more twofold. Uh, child of hell, you're blind guides which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold in the temple, he's a debtor. You fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And he goes, he's prophesying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he goes on down to them and says to them, uh, you know, let me just, he calls them blind guides that strain a gnat to swallow a, a camel, and it's just nothing but woe after woe after woe after woe. And then it gets cleared out in verse 30, and it says, And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up in the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. Now look at this. Jesus is talking to this first century bunch of people standing there, and he's saying to them that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, a son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things will come upon this generation. He was talking not to our generation, but to that generation that was alive when he was preaching that. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and you that killed the prophets and stoned them which are sent to thee, how often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. For, you, I, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. That looks to me like an absolute repeat of what was happening in Second Chronicles 36 when they misused and abused the prophets that God would send to them with warnings. And then God allowed the king of Babylon to come and literally destroy Jerusalem, their city, carry them away captive and carried them away and, 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 and plunder all of the stuff that was there, that burnt their temple. And here we see Matthew 23, the setup for almost the repeat exact same thing. Because when you get to the book of Revelation, there's a great harlot there that has committed fornication with the kings of the earth. And the Bible says this concerning her, in her was found the blood 
of all that were slain on the earth. And God said, fill up to her then the measure of her abominations. And, you know, I, I didn't put a lot of this in my notes, but uh, the book of Revelation is a tale of two cities, Babylon and New Jerusalem. One of them, I believe, is speaks Babylon, the great harlot, I believe, speaks of ancient Jerusalem. And, and what really connects the thought of this to me is because he says in both of them that upon you, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and you that kill the prophets, how often I would have gathered you under my feathers as a hen doth gather her chicks. But he said, upon you will come all the blood of all that were slain upon the earth. That, that the judgment that you gave them fill up to her double and for, you know, for, 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 from the time of Jesus onto the apostles and the persecutions that took place there is that they were the ones that did all of those things. And one of the things that she says in the book of Revelation is, I said as a queen and I am not a widow. In other words, she refuses to realize that she murdered her own husband, Jesus Christ, and she doesn't even begin to understand her widowhood, but she, because she has committed fornication with the kings of the earth and did exactly what these kings of old did, so that there was about to be a repeat of what happened in Ezra or Chronicles and then to Ezra and Nehemiah that there would first of all be a destruction of a corrupt city that would be called a harlot, that would be called Babylon. But it's striking to me that in the book of Revelation, that the moment that Babylon the great is fallen is fallen. He says now has come salvation and the kingdom of our God and the bride has made herself ready. In other words one city is passing off the scene and another city is coming on the scene. There's another tale of two women in the book of Galatians and he tells us in the book of Galatians and I have said this over several weeks ago in the book of Galatians let me this kind let me get this for you as well and what that way we can kind of set this up as to where I'm coming from. Just follow me in my studies if, if you would. But Galatians, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible because it really does all the homework for you. It, tells, it says this in, in Galatians 4. It says, tell me you who are bent on being under the law. Will you listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now all this is an allegory. These two women, watch this, these two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given. So it's talking about one of these women represents an old covenant. I submit to you in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 and through the judgment of this great harlot is that he's dealing with old covenant Israel and old covenant Jerusalem because it's a tale of two women, a tale of two cities. And you can see the comparison as you go through this. So what I want you to see is that the present day, if we are, listen, he calls Babylon in the book of Revelation the mother of harlots. So if we are still preaching an old covenant paradigm 2,000 years in the future, like right now, and we're still preaching the old covenant, 
we might be in religious confusion and we might be in Babylonian captivity and God might be sending prophets and priests and scribes to bring about a reformation, to bring us up out of the harlotry and the confusion and the mixture and the religious confusion that's come from the fornications of, 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 and adulteries of an old covenant paradigm where we mix two covenants and we mingle the seed and we commit adultery by allowing Jezebel to teach us to eat things offered to idols. In other words, she offers us stuff that gives us wrong concepts about God. Not idols and statues sitting right on our tables, but in the chambers of our imagery and in our imagination. There's some imaginations that need to be pulled down because I believe we're headed for a great reformation. We're going to leave the captivity of Babylon and we're going to see some men like Ezra and Nehemiah rise up and begin to bring about a restoration. And I told you I spent a whole a segment on this last week talking about them being a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. But these two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated at Mount Sinai where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar is and stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and she corresponds to and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem and she is in bondage together with her children. But the Jerusalem which is above the messianic kingdom of Christ is free and she is our mother. For it is written in the scripture, Rejoice, O barren woman, who has not given birth to children. Break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains, for the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. Can you see that this woman in the book of Revelation is saying, I said as a queen, and I am not a widow. But it doesn't look like, even as you read these stories and this tale of two women, it doesn't look like the woman that is the new covenant messianic kingdom of God, it almost doesn't look like she's producing children. Just like Sarah didn't look like she was producing anything. It was mocked and made fun of and put down. I think it's kind of crazy when I look sometimes at some of these guys that are preaching against the message of grace and the new covenant and calling us hyper grace and hyper this and hyper that. I just wonder if that's not Ishmael mocking Isaac. But he goes on to say, many more children, it says, break forth into joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains, for the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. But we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent, not the natural genealogy, not by physical descent, as was an Ishmael, but like Isaac, we were born in virtue of the promise. Yet just as at that time the child of the ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably according to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is now also. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out and send away the slave woman and her son, for never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and share in the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So, brethren, we who are born again are not children of the slave woman, but of the free, of the supernatural. Now, I think that that's it, 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 I think those are incredibly striking comparisons. And he makes it so clear who the next city is in the book of Revelation that there's a Babylon and there's a New Jerusalem. But here he makes the comparison. 
that the Jerusalem that we're a part of is not the one in the Middle East. It is the Messianic kingdom of Christ that we were born into by virtue of our new birth. And one of the things that I think happens in the book of Revelation, or what happens in the book of Ezra especially, is as they are starting to come back up out of captivity, they had to find their register or their identity with a priest who had Urim and Thummim, or they, which was a stones of judgment to see whether you were or not, that you had to come into judgment to see what, you, what your genealogy was. In other words, I believe one of the things that God is restoring in this hour to bring us up out of religious Babylonian confusion is he's going to restore our identity as who the true sons of God are because the birth pains that are upon even, uh, I believe right now, that are happening in our country are birth pains as God is giving birth to, or there is a, if you will, a breaking of the water, that there's a head that's about to be crowned and come forth and manifestation, and we're about to see in the midst of this chaos and in the midst of this travail and in the midst of this time that the Holy Spirit is making groanings and utterances that's going to give birth to, I believe, a restoration and a reformation. And I, I just think that what when I see these comparisons of they were in Babylonian captivity, first of all, Second Chronicles chapter 26 says, because they didn't keep Sabbath. Now let me just say this to you, and please don't write me any hate mail. I've got all the letters I need about what you think about the Sabbath. But in the New Covenant, the Sabbath is not a day of the week. It is a person. And second, in, in Colossians chapter 2, he said, Let no man judge you in respect of meat or drink or of a new moon or a Sabbath day, which things are a shadow. The reality, however, is found in Christ. In other words, the Sabbath day was a picture of the reality that is found in Christ. And the reality that is found in Christ is that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. And we enter into that rest when we realize how the work got finished. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. And when he cried out, it is finished on Calvary's tree, he redeemed us from works and labor and trying to become a slave. You, you, you see, God even instituted the Sabbath day, even under the old covenant law, he instituted that to show the people, I'm not like the Egyptians. I'm not going to make you 24-7 work and labor and sweat and make bricks. I think it is incredible that in the midst of commandments like don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, and all of a sudden he says, and by the way, take a day off from work once a week and take a rest. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. God would say, listen, man, I'm, I'm trying to show you I'm not like the Egyptians. I'm not a slave master. I'm not a driver. I want you to rest. But see, in the new covenant, we rest as we enter in to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we've lost in this Babylonian religious confusion system is we've lost the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ that brings us into Sabbath rest. But I believe we're in a time of restoration and reformation. And I looked, you know, at some of these uh, uh, 
things in the book of Revelation and I, I saw in her, uh, you know, I saw Revelation 17, for instance, as he begins to talk about the great harlot. Verse seven, uh, 6 of Revelation 17 says, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast and the carried her that hath seven heads and ten horns and the beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell upon the earth whose names are not written in the book will wonder after her or not written in the book of life and the foundation of the world and when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is not. And he goes down through here and talks about this beast as she was on. And it goes on down and I believe that this and there's not enough time to unpack all of this in this segment. But I believe this beast that she rides on was the beast of Rome. Jerusalem in the first century is finding its prophetic fulfillment where Jesus said in Matthew 23, all the blood of the martyrs that were slain are going to come on this on this generation. He was talking to that first generation. And then you see here in Revelation chapter 17 where he says, in you she was drunk with the blood of the saints and the martyrs. And that, that's, that, that judgment that was about to come upon her was going to come upon her in fulfillment of what Jesus prophesied in Matthew chapter 23. And it talks about this beast that she rode upon, which was Rome. And Rome was about to make her desolate, burn her with fire and the flesh. And just like... Jerusalem was burnt under the rain before Ezra comes on the scene and the temple is destroyed and it's left in desolation. But this moment, the moment that this, this great city, this great harlot is burnt and destroyed, God says, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and you don't receive her plagues. She said, I said as a queen, and I'm not a widow in chapter 18, verse 7. She refuses to realize that she crucified and killed her first husband. Her plagues will come in one day, and the, the kings of the earth will look and say, alas, that great city, for one hour her judgment is come. But upon the heels of, of all of that judgment... He says this in verse number 20, Revelation 18, to Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it under the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. That's what Jesus said. It's better that a millstone be put around your neck than to defend one of the least of these little ones. And then he goes on and begins to prophesy in verse 24 of Revelation 18, and said, In her was found the blood of all the prophets and saints and all that were slain upon the earth. But as soon as that harlot is judged, it starts out in chapter 19, by saying, after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto our Lord. Because he has avenged the blood of his servants. And he said in chapter 20, he goes on to say, Rejoice because the judgment of the great harlot, the moment she falls, he says, Now let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And it gives springboard to a new Jerusalem. You're either in the harlot city or you're in the messianic kingdom, the new city. I don't know about you, but I want to live in the city of God and see the walls rebuilt and the salvation come so that there's a river that flows out of this city that will heal 
the nations. I am out of time, so we're just going to take a few moments to tell you, sow a seed into the ministry. Join us again next week, but if you'd like to, you can call the number on the screen, or you can go to any of these links and give via credit card or, or check or money order. There will be an address that comes up on the screen where you can send your check or money order. We do need your help to stay on the air. It is your faithful giving that keeps us on the air. God bless you. Join me again next week as we pick up here again and begin to develop this. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.